chapter 15, verses 1 through 9, where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. So abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word today. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome again. Once again, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to be with you. Before we jump into our sermon today, a couple of housekeeping notes to share with you. Uh, number one, I have been away at a conference with a couple of other members of our staff this weekend. I brought you a photo to show you our time together at the Evolving Faith Conference in Minneapolis over the weekend. I share this because I share that we started our journey at 5 a.m. on Friday and our flight returned uh, at midnight last night. So I am exhausted. Um, my voice is exhausted, and so I need some help today. If you've got some energy, I, I could use it coming this way a little bit today. You with me? Yeah. Might be rough. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, number two housekeeping note, I have been at a conference all weekend, a place of faith where I wasn't responsible for making any of it happen. That is refreshing for a pastor's soul, where I got to sit and dwell in Holy Spirit and dwell in Holy Community, and so my heart is full. Item number three, due to my travel, I missed my practice days, which are those days when I try to figure out if you know the sermon is actually any good or not. So buckle up um, because you get what you get today. All right. With that, let's, um, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are in a series right now called Envision Linworth, where we are taking the month of October and we are laying out the results from you from our strategic planning process. Just a refresher, this started over a year ago where we came to you and you lent your voice to this through our congregational assessment tool, that big 100, 200 something question survey that we all took last fall. And uh, through your voice, you showed us the way forward. We put a team together to parse through those results that represented this church in regards of service attendance, age, tenure, and so many other diverse metrics to really capture the fullness of our body. And they have put in the work that, again, just a reminder, November 12th, please join us for that vision night. We're going to be rolling out all of the big details. We're excited to share that with you. But again, in this series, we are working on that identity foundation. We've been working through our core values, where we started by sharing about our inclusive community. Last week, Pastor Anna um, shared about our idea of pursuing evolving faith. And in that sermon, she preached from the text of 1 Corinthians 13, which is one of, if not the most well-known passage of scripture due to its prevalence at practically every single wedding you've ever been to. Um, 
In premarital counseling with couples, I actually have a session where we dig into this passage because it's become almost cliche to the point of losing its impact or losing its, its weight or meaning. This beautiful expression of love that is ultimately about the very character and nature of God. And you get to the last line where it says, now faith, hope, and love remain. At least that's how it most commonly appears in, in the weddings you've been to. But if you were paying close attention last week when we read scripture, it appeared like this. It said, and now faith, hope, and love abide. From the NRSV translation, which is our standard go-to, the one you hear uh, most read from us here at Linworth. And if you haven't figured this out about me yet, I am a bit of a word nerd when it comes to parsing scripture. So anytime two translations come at a translation of a word and they bring two different ideas, I get really excited because I'm like about to go on a journey. Like Google and me are about to be good friends on this. Um, so I remember the first time I discovered this little discrepancy between Bible translations and I dug into the Greek word meno. And I found that both remain and abide, they're, they're both acceptable to use as a, as a translation for meno. There's not one that I could argue is more accurate than another but I do have personal opinion. I like abide. I think it's a stronger word. It's a different energy to the word abide than the word remain. Um, I was on the plane home yesterday and I found myself watching the 1998 cinematic classic, The Big Lebowski. Anybody fans of The Big Lebowski? We got some Lebowski fans. All right, so uh, at the end of the movie, one of the characters offers a very casual, take it easy dude to which the dude, the, the main character of the Big Lebowski, uh, responds, the dude abides. There's even a sandwich named that at uh, Melt, if you've ever been to the restaurant Melt, which is a, a special place in my heart because it's a Cleveland place and I'm from Cleveland, so it's like the Cleveland Embassy when I'm in the foreign world of Columbus. So the dude abides. And there's such a calm, cool, confident energy in the delivery of that line. It's not like, oh, the dude remains. Like, the dude doesn't remain. The dude abides. In the movie, fans of the movie, did you know that the dude is actually quoting scripture here? That he's paraphrasing Ecclesiastes? In Ecclesiastes, it says, one generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever, as the King James would say. The idea behind this verse is that as kingdoms rise and fall, empires get overtaken by empires, the ground they're built on, the earth beneath them is the only constant. The dude is saying that he's more like the earth that those kingdoms are built on than the very ones who built them. And no matter what happens, whatever unfolds, the dude will continue to hang out at the bowling alley, taking it easy and drinking some white Russians. The dude abides. To remain is to be, but to abide is to thrive, to not be thrown by storms or waves. Um, let, me, let me share it another way to help you understand. We have now come officially into the season of fall, the season to which I'm sorry, fall people, the season to which I hate the most, okay? I know I just offended a lot of you. I see some faces. I'm like scared. Um, so I can't get into the pumpkin spice thing. I don't like that, that constantly everything just feels wet outside. Like there's just this layer of moisture on things. And you need like three wardrobe changes in the day to get through the 40 degree swing from morning to nightfall. I am not a fall person. There's very little redeeming quality for fall to me. With the exception of 
one particular tradition that I love that comes this time of year, and that is tradition of fall pumpkin carving for Halloween. How many of you have um, carved your pumpkins this year already? Anybody already there? I've not done mine yet either. I'm very excited about it. We got them. We haven't carved them. But it's a big deal. Like, you can see my kids get in on the action, right? We love carving pumpkins. We always have a very impressive display. Um, we are very proud of our pumpkin display. It is a really cool thing. I get into it so much that I've done some crazy things over the years. Uh, one year, I was challenged, and I uh, carved a pineapple. So if you're ever wondering if you can, you can absolutely carve a pineapple. And then after I did that, I took it a step further on another challenge, and I have carved a jack-o'-lantern out of an olive, um, which you can do. So if you're ever wondering if you can carve an olive, you absolutely can with the right tools, all right? Um, this is my pumpkin from, from last year. I'm very proud of this pumpkin from last year. And um, before I say why, can, are, we're all friends here, right? I'm scared. Maybe I need to quit. I need to. Okay, we're, we're all friends. So I am very proud of pumpkin. One, I thought the ears were really creative. Um, and two, because ears have to come from somewhere. I was very proud of this pumpkin. Can, can I just say that? Uh, to me, pumpkin carving is a communal ritual. It brings community together, multi-generational community in fun activity. It's an expression of creativity. And you put it on your porch and you participate in something in your neighborhood, a tradition that unites a whole broader community together. I love the carving of pumpkins. I am so overjoyed by having these pumpkins. I am so proud of these pumpkins. And they go display on my porch through the month of October. But here's my problem. I love the pumpkins so much, I want to hold on to the pumpkins, and they sometimes stick around longer than October. Anybody ever have a pumpkin stick around a little too long, like into November? Yeah, so you, you know what, what happens, right? So, so here's the point. Um, a pumpkin can remain on my porch, but the pumpkin will not abide on my porch. <laughs> And it starts just to look like a sad, sad pumpkin. I mentioned the Greek word here is meno, to remain or to abide. Uh, in reference to place, it means not to depart or to continue to be present. Uh, in reference to time, it means to continue to be. But in reference to a state or a condition of being, as a state of being, it means to remain as one, to abide is a state of being, to remain as one. A pumpkin that is disconnected from its vine does not abide. So I want to read our passage again, and I want you to pay attention. Jesus is speaking here, and so if we could, if you can just like put your hands up like this, everybody here, help me out. This is going to help us get a picture of what we're looking at. And I would like you to count how many times you hear abide coming on here. I am the vine, the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What do we get? Nine times in nine verses. Do you think there's like an importance being communicated here? Scripture often uses repetition to indicate to us importance. Um, Holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Repetition indicates significance. We need to pay attention to this. This chapter of John is laying out what it looks like for God's people to abide. And it's laid out in three distinct acts through this chapter so in the John in chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 are act one of our story. Abide in Christ. Abide in God's love. And then the second act kicks off in verse 12 through 17. Abide in love for one another. And then act three, verses 18 through 25 are all about how we abide in the world. So last week we looked at our core value of evolving faith. What it means for us to abide in Christ. And we said we are committed to a living, dynamic, and responsive relationship with God built on Christ's example. We recognize that faith is a journey of continual growth, exploration, and transformation. It embraces the mystery and complexity of spirituality while remaining engaged with the evolving needs of our community and world. And next week we're going to look at the core value of global justice, what it means to abide through faith um, in the world that we live in, where we'll say that we believe global justice encompasses a holistic approach to missions, outreach, and social holiness toward the greater work of forging justice, mercy, and care in the world. And so if that excites you, make sure you join us next week for that. But this week, we're focused on that act two, abiding in one another. We believe one of the most beautiful things about our church are the authentic relationships that we have with one another. To abide is to see one another by what connects us, not what differentiates us. And the work ahead of us is to foster and cultivate new and ongoing relationships as our church continues to grow and meet new people. I want to share a story of um, when I first came to Linworth. My favorite question is to ask anyone. So if you got me when I was new here, you probably remember me asking you these questions. But they are simply what brought you here and what keeps you here. And at their core, these two questions represent what we're talking about here. It's like what first caused you to remain here, but then ultimately what causes you to abide here? What brought you and what keeps you? So here I come, Sunday morning, first day on staff, ready to meet new people. And um, I meet Eileen Reidinger. And I adore Eileen. If you don't know Eileen, she coordinates our prayer chain emails. Um, So if you have a prayer request, Eileen is the reason that we are all able to pray with and for you. So I get to meet Eileen, and uh, I ask my questions to Eileen. Now, Eileen's already been through the the sermon, so she knows where I'm going. But do you remember what you said? (laughs) So... So one of the things Eileen shared with me about what was most impactful to her was the garage sale. And I was like, garage sale? That's not the answer I was expecting, but, but that's, uh, that's really good to know. So uh, I keep walking down the hall, and 
uh, I see a familiar face, uh, a man in our church named John Blakely. John was on the SPRC committee when I hired him, so he was on the interview team that I talked to. So I know John, I see John, and I ask John my questions. And you know what he said to me? He said, you got to see the garage sale. And I kind of look around like, is, is this some kind of setup? Like, is this prank, prank the new guy? So I said, you got to unpack this for me. Um, and he was like, oh, it's the biggest garage sale that, that you've ever seen. And I was like, sure. Whatever you say, man. Um, so I'm trying to learn about my new church. And so far, what I've picked up is garage sale. So I keep walking through the lobby and I meet another new person. Uh, I meet a guy by the name of Denny Devine. Some of you are laughing because you know where this is going. If you don't know where this is going, Denny happens to be the team leader and coordinator for our annual garage sale ministry. So I ask Denny my questions. And you know what Denny says? Denny says the people. And I come to understand that Denny's view of Linworth United Methodist Church was of a connected community built on this idea of authentic relationships with one another. That the people here are your friends, your family, the people that encourage one another, support one another, care for one another. They are people that you want to be around, people you have deep connections with, people who celebrate life's achievements and bear life's burdens together. People that scale the mountains and navigate the valleys side by side. Authentic relationships are genuine, open-hearted, and honest connections between individuals. They're built on trust, vulnerability, mutual respect, creating a space where people can be their true selves without fear of judgment or pretense is a deeply held core value of our congregation. We prioritize fostering these relationships that nurture personal growth, emotional well-being, and a sense of belonging within our community. And then Denny says, you know the place where you can see that displayed best? <laughs> the garage sale. That's what they all meant by garage sale. It's this community impact. And it took some convincing on me because I'm not a garage sale guy. But the week of my very first sale arrived and I saw the tent go up and my jaw dropped. I was like, there's no way you're going to fill that tent. And I said, what do you mean you're going to fill the tent? Um, what do you mean you use the building? To, the entire building? What do you mean you use the entire building? And sure enough, I saw it. But there's one moment that made me understand this more than anything. One specific moment. The Friday before garage sale set up, all of the shelves have to come over from where they're at in a storage unit to our church so that the merchandise can be set up. And there's a group of guys getting in the truck headed that way. So I jump in the truck and... I spend the afternoon loading, unloading, load after load of plastic shelving. But what I also did was I learned a lot about the people I was with. Learned about their families. I learned about their careers, their hobbies. I learned about their faith, their perspective on phases of life. I learned wisdom for myself as a father of young kids from men that have been on that journey before. And it's that experience that made me realize that Linworth UMC is not special because of a garage sale. Now, we, we love our garage sale, okay? It's not, it's not what I'm saying, don't get me wrong, but, but this response of all the people, Eileen's love of it, John's love of it, Denny's love of it, it's special because of this genuine, genuine multi-generational connection within this community. That's what we've come to realize in our strategic planning process. We need more opportunities like that 
within our church. Chances for people to connect with one another, united in purpose and passion, pursuing faith together, living life to the fullest side by side. I want to show you um, an illustration of what this looks like in a church setting. So a couple of ways that this sort of plays out. And so to do that, I brought some very highly technical detailed drawings. That is you. You know it's you because it says it's you, but also because it looks just like you. I worked really hard on this, okay? If it didn't look like you, it would look like someone else. And that would, in fact, not be you. So this is about you. Let's just be clear. I want you thinking this is about you in relationship and in community in this church. All right. So you have a circle, a circle of connection. And this is where your deepest relationships are. The people that you know really well, the people you check in with, that you pray for, that you do life with together. They are the people that you're walking side by side with through life in the church. Now, there's also other people in the church that are maybe not inside that circle. Maybe you don't know them so well. Maybe you don't know them at all. Maybe they're sitting on that side of the room and not that side of the room. Maybe they were at 9 o'clock service and not 10.30 service. But either way, this is the picture of you in community, where you've got some relationships that are really close, and you've got some other relationships that are on the outside of people that you are aware of. This is pretty typical. This is pretty normal. But I want to show you two different ways this can kind of shift. So let's start again with you in the middle. All right, and now let's bring in those relationships. But all of a sudden, I don't feel like I'm connected to anyone. I don't feel like I truly know anybody. I don't truly feel like I have friends here. I have relationships here. I have these deep moments with. That starts to become a lonely place to be. We call this the island because that's what it can feel like, like you're stranded on a desert island. Like you can see community happening all around you, but for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like it. And and if that's you in this room, if that's your experience, I want you to know that we see you. We want to talk to you. We want to do what we can to, to help you connect. We recognize we can always do more. We don't want anyone to be in a church community and feel lonely because that is, that is truthfully, um, the greatest call to, to not be. Because what happens when you feel lonely is you start to become a sad pumpkin. You are not abiding on the island. All right, let me look at another model that this looks like. So let's go back to you in the middle. Let's bring those relationships again. So these are the people you're connected with. This time, you're close with everybody. This feels great. This is where my friends are. These are the people that know me. These are the people that I'm doing life with. This community is my home, my safe space, and this feels good. This one, though, I call the bubble. And the reason I call it the bubble is because anytime you draw a circle and you've got people on the inside, you've also got people on the outside. And people looking outside in on a bubble start to get a little confused because they see the depth of relationship that people have, many, many years of history together. They know all the inside jokes. They know everybody's extended families. And they say, how can I be a part of that? How can I get caught up? I feel so behind. How can I break into the bubble? And when you are in this situation, you also start to look like a sad pumpkin. Because the person on the outside of the bubble does not abide in community. And so in your place here in the church, I want you to think about these two scenarios, recognizing that we are honest about we have people in both of the instances. We have people who feel like they're on an island. We have people that feel like they're on the inside of a bubble. We have people that feel like they're on the outside of a bubble. These are very real things that we're trying to address in our ministries because we want to be better 
All right, and so let me show you just a picture of what better looks like. Again, we're starting with you in the middle. We bring in your relationships. These are the people you are close with, the people you do life with together. We bring in another layer of people that you're sort of close with. They're right on the periphery of your connectedness. And then we bring the people in the church that you just don't know because you aren't going to know everybody around here. That's going to be truer and truer as we grow as a community. You just aren't going to be connected to everybody, but you are going to be connected to some. But the beautiful thing about this is as this continues to scale out it's called the ideal because we get this big picture of community and you start to see people on the periphery until you realize everybody's got a circle but then more people come into the community but then you remember that everybody's got a circle and then more people come in but everybody's got a circle and then more people come in and it starts to look like this and I call this the beautiful mess because I don't see you at the center anymore because it's not about you. You are not at the center of this community. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. Still very much interconnected. What a beautiful mess a church makes when people are in relationship together. Now I want to share one thing about how this happens um, because I want to really be clear that when I say we grow through relationship and you start to see this branch out, I don't mean that we see people on the outside of our circle and we try to drag them into our circle. Like, oh, if you just look more like me or talk more like me or vote more like me or raise your kids more like me, you'll fit in really great here. Come on in to the circle where you can be like us. That is a strategy of assimilation and that is aggressive. Ours is one of invitation. And we do not drag people into the circle. And so the only other alternative is to draw the circle wider. That's authentic relationship. Not dragging people into circles, but creating wider ones. Celebrating the diversity of multi-generational inclusive community that we have and protect here. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Vine and branches, they, they don't grow by grabbing material from the outside. They grow outward from a common center into the surrounding world. I want to show you a photo that looks kind of like a beautiful mess. You can see very clearly the central vine. And you can see the branches coming off it, but it becomes very hard to distinguish where one branch stops and another branch starts. It just all comes together in this sort of beautiful mess. Everything just kind of remains connected and there's this beauty present in all of it. Or here, one more picture I found in preparation for the sermon I thought was fascinating. You can see here vines and branches forming a structure of a bridge over a body of water, literally creating a pathway over an obstacle that people are able to traverse. When you're weary, feeling small. When tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all. I'm on your side. You, you with me? Oh, when times get rough, we go in there, we do in this church, and friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down like a bridge over troubled water. I will lay me down. It's in authentic relationship that we show our true strength. 
And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one, for a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes. It is in authentic community that we give and receive the encouragement that we need. For let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It is in authentic relationship that we share our burdens for a friend loves at all times and kinsfolk are born to share adversity, Proverbs 17. It is in authentic community that we build one another up for each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor, Romans 15. It is in authentic relationship that we model Christ's love, beloved. Let us love one another because love is from God. 1 John 4, 7. May we abide in Christ. And may we abide in one another. Amen. Amen.